Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is Kelly Pelker, the executive director for Podcast Magazine. Kelly Pelker is also the president and COO of both Ear Control and Bold Enterprises, which she runs alongside Steve Olsher. Kelly has been providing high-level customer service, business support, consulting, coaching, and event management to businesses and leading entrepreneurs for over 35 years. She's a pragmatic idealist, best-selling author, and visionary with an incomparable track record of helping to facilitate dramatic results for her six- and seven-figure clients while holding them accountable to achieve their business goals and objectives. Kelly serves many roles from the executive editor of Podcast Magazine, content producer for the Hot 50 Countdown, and the soon-to-be Beyond the Microphone, as well as being the lead coach for the company's year-long Icon Maker coaching program, where they help clients to become icons of influence in their niche. So Kelly, welcome to the Second Command podcast. Thank you. Normally, when I do these interviews, every guest is a little bit nervous, and I'm sitting here going, wow, I'm interviewing the kind of second in command for podcast magazine. I don't know what I'm doing. So it's <laughs> it's, it's the imposter syndrome starting to kick in hardcore right now. So the, the playing field is completely level, um, and I'm really looking forward to, to learning from you today. So thanks for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Ta- tell me a little bit about, about your background and how you got to where you are first off. Um, wow, that goes way back. <laughs> I'm aging myself. Um, I, I, I mean, just from the business standpoint, um, I've been in business myself for 20 years, over 20 years. And about six years ago, fell into uh, connecting with Steve. And it's just been a wild ride ever since then. I have a history. Um, before starting the company, I was the sales and marketing coordinator for a major raw material supplier. And before that, I had, you know, years in, 10 and a half years in banking and retail and direct sales. And I was even the Easter Bunny at the mall. And so it, <laughs> it goes way back being a character, as well as uh, bringing everything together in a, in a customer support role. I've always been kind of in the, uh, in the support customer service area and behind the scenes. But now I'm coming a little bit little bit more in front of the scene. And then, and then tell us about, so there's the three businesses that you're involved in. What's the core focus of what you're, we are working on or, or for the, I guess the two of you with the businesses, what's the core focus today? What well, ear control is, uh, but podcast magazine falls under ear control. We have kind of four pillars there, uh, with, with the magazine, uh, podcast network, a tech arm and, um, uh, live events which will be coming up called Pod Expo. And so you're, and you're overseeing all of those different businesses or business units? Yes, that, that's all under air control. And then the Bold Enterprises kind of is comprised of all of our coaching aspects and our products, programs, and services that are more the Steve Ultra brand. Okay. And, and when did podcasting become the focus? Has that been kind of like a seven-year drive or was, that, was there something going on with, uh, with those businesses prior to podcasting? Well, I mean, Steve had a podcast. He started back in 2009 and kind of, you know, wasn't hundred percent on it every single week with consistency and stuff. So he kind of let that go. 
and he actually moved from Chicago to to San Diego. And when he got here and got settled, and we kind of met up about 2015, and then we started doing it, the reinvention radio on a regular basis. After that, for gosh, we grabbed him a couple of co-hosts, uh, Mary Goulet and Richard Ote, and they went really strong up until just a few months ago. Um, well, since COVID stuck, we had we did live in studio, right, for for a couple of hours. Um, so we had the reinvention radio and then later brought on beyond eight figures with, where we brought on people that, um, you know, CEOs and co- company co-founders and founders that were running businesses that were $10 million or more, or they exited a company for $10 million or more. And so along with Mary and Richard, he, we went, like you said, that went up until right about COVID struck. And um, we tried to do it on the, on the, Facebook live feeds and things for a little while after that. Uh, and then we sold beyond eight figures and um, had, had reinvention radio on the block for a little bit too. But now with clubhouse, we've taken that back and Steve's doing regular interviews for reinvention radio again. Interesting. So he's still active in it, um, which is the one. And then we have the two um, we have a hot 50 countdown which is hosted by Rob Actis. That falls under the podcast magazine. And that's basically, it's a Casey Kasem top 40, top 50 countdown of our hot 50 chart that we publish each month. Okay. So, and then so, we have the Beyond Eight Figures, come, or, I'm sorry, Beyond the Microphone coming up. And the Beyond the Microphone is your live events? Um, no, the live event will be Pod Expo. It'll be, it's kind of a, a Comic-Con meets our new media summit type of thing. And we have. So so you guys have a lot on the go right now. He sounds like a classic entrepreneur. Are you constantly playing cleanup to that in in the CEO role? Um, Yes and no. (laughs) We stay in pretty good communication and and trying to keep him on, on focus. Um, You know, the mind, mind races, but with the plans that we have in place and, you know, he brings something to me and I'll be like, you know, hey, is that really going to move us forward in the direction that we're wanting to? We kind of weigh it out. And he's real good about um, about, about bringing things back in when he starts to, to go off the beaten path. And if it's something that he's really passionate about. And, you know, when he started on Clubhouse, I was like, wow, that just takes up so much time and, and everything. But it really is. Um, ultimately, you know, riding out this wave to to move things forward for us, and the connections that he's making are awesome. And I go sit in rooms, and he knows not to call me up on stage because I'm actually working while I'm right. listening. And <laughs> so it, interesting that you've got the confidence to be able to say, "Hey, is that really going to move us forward?" And not even so much the confidence, but also just the understanding that some of these crazy ADD manic ideas that entrepreneurs have often aren't going to drive us forward. They're, they're sometimes a distraction. So what's the filter that you use or that you try to get him to use to decide on whether it's a yes or maybe a not now or a no? Well, I think for any business, you know, we, we have, and we teach people in our icon maker program about everything needs to move toward your last step on the path. And for us, that's our icon maker program. And so everything that we do 
needs to somehow relate back to driving people into, into that program. And, you know, then we also have to weigh out what it does from the podcasting standpoint, as far as him and his connection and, and where it can go with the other side of the business uh, on the air control side. And we just have to weigh it out and, and see what makes the most business sense based on our goals. How many employees do you have within the brands right now within the different companies? Uh, it's really just us. We haven't, we haven't made our first official, official hire yet. That's a uh, lot. We have that's a, a, a lot of complexity to be running with such a, with a small group. It is. I mean, not, that's not to say that we don't have uh, support. Uh, we have a great team on the podcast magazine side. We have 20 plus team of category directors who write all the articles every month and a great graphic designer and an editor. And so we have a really super team over there. And then um, on the other side, we have, or, well, even on, they kind of cross the, cross the borders of, of both as far as um, our tech support and web support and people that, you know, we contract, we contact with everyone. Right. Um, it's like I was saying that first kind of real official employee hire is what we haven't, uh, haven't done yet, but that's in the very near future. But you don't, you don't need the full-time 40, 50 hour a week person when you're working with 40, 50 contractors and freelancers that like, I think the new way of doing business is actually getting freelancers who are wherever they heck they are, or just getting the stuff done instead of needing somebody showing up five days a week. It doesn't make sense. So you, you are working with a lot of people. We are, we are. Um, yeah. I mean, for a while there, it was just kind of me and Steve and a couple of people. And, you know, with the, with the magazine, there was no way that we could produce that with, with, right. with just me and him. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about the, the way that podcast magazine was born, it was like October, 2019. And he was at a, at an event and had this idea. I was actually sitting in the room with our private clients doing one of our intensives. And I get a text. He's like, what do you think about starting a magazine? I'm like, um, because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm looking at all this stuff around me that I'm, you know, my to-do list. And, and I'm like, well, you know, and he explained kind of, you know, what his thoughts were around it and that it didn't exist. And why can't we do this? And next thing I know, he was like, well, I just bought the domain. We're going to do a magazine. <laughs> like, can we at least wait until first quarter of 2020, 2020? And he's like, yes, we can. I'm like, but I didn't know that he meant to release the first issue in, oh, 20- nice. in January of 2020. <laughs> So over the course of the next 90 days, under under 100 days, we put together, um, you know, the team of category directors, the designer, got the logo and cover concept down and released our first issue uh, at the end of January, on January 28, 2020. So you released an entire magazine from concept to first issue in under 100 days. And was it a printed edition or was mm-hmm. it a pure play online magazine? Or both? Nope, we do both print and digital and, and it was it was 146 146 pages i think okay wow our first ones and That's it was a- supposed to be <laughs> we asked the design he asked the, the designer and thank god she's been working with him for for quite a while um you know can you do this thing i'm thinking it's only going to be you know 80 pages max or something like that and it just it, it's beautiful she does such a fantastic job. 
what's the revenue off that magazine? Is it, um, is it revenue share? Is it advertising? Is it, I can't imagine it being all circulation. No, I mean, you know, at the, at the same time that we were building the team and, and getting the content together, we also built a subscriber list of over 20,000 that we launched with. Um, so our focus over this whole first year has been more toward building the subscriber base. And we're double that now, right around 40,000. Um, plus the, you know, the social media reach that we have between all of our directors and, and our list and, and all that is like well over a million when you think about the collective total. But so now in our second year, we're focusing more on getting partners and advertisers that, um, that, you know, to, to, to really monetize it. We're, you know, we're, the first year we're not monetizing at all. Okay, so the first year was it was it largely then lead lead gen and marketing that would drive into your um, your icon makers program, um, or leading no, it in, no, no, that doesn't. I mean, you have to look at the magazine would run something completely on, on a different angle. Um, you know, the, we certainly bounce people over from our subscriber list to the other side of of the of the fence, if you will. Yeah, um, you know, because we do events and things that like our profiting from podcast program, our new media summits, um, all things that are attractive to podcasters still. And so we bounce people over into there and we've been able to monetize that way in, um, in getting people into the other programs, products and services that we offer, including Icon Maker. So let's go. So like, what's the cost to pull together a magazine like that and run? How are you doing one issue a month or one a quarter? What's your, um... we do one every month. Okay. What... And it's, you know, it, the first year it, it was, <laughs> it was supposed to be a, you know, I'm going to throw $20,000 at this and see how we do with it. And that has grown to a few more zeros on it. So um, you know, it's, it takes a lot yeah. to, to produce it, but it, you know, the gain that we have so far as, um, the connections and stuff that, that are made. And I mean, if you look at the people that we've had on the cover, I don't know if you've seen an issue of it or not, but no, yeah. Steve sat down with Jordan Belfort and Katie Couric and Jillian Michaels and Jenna Kutcher. And, you know, it just keeps getting better. Dave Ramsey and, there's a lot more in store in the future. Um, so those kind of draw in the subscribers and the, and the readers and in the pull to read the magazine. And then we hope to monetize them. We, we do sell some uh, print subscriptions. Yeah. Again, that's, that's something that we're looking at. You know, do we approach the book, not bookstores, you know, airport stores or little local places and things like that to, or get some other, um, partner that can help us on the print side to really more mass produce than we do right now. But yeah, those are things that we're looking at this year. Mo- mostly magazines, newspapers, any of the print uh, media make all their money off advertising, right? It's just, it's, mm-hmm. and you're, but you're doing it the right way. The only way they get advertising dollars is if they have really good content and really good subscriber base. So you're actually doing it the right, right. way. It is, but as you pointing out, it's expensive, but you've got, um, you're establishing yourself as the thought leaders in the industry, which the industry had a lot of individual podcasters, you know, Jordan Harbinger or Lewis Howes or Tim Ferriss or like strong podcasters. And I'm just naming off the business ones. There's all kind of the different mm-hmm. niches 
does does the podcasting magazine have a niche specific or are you just across the whole layer of podcasters? No, we focus more on the podcast fans. So we're kind of like the, we refer to ourselves as the, the Sports Illustrated or the Rolling Stone of podcasting. And, and we focus on the, the podcast fans. And the reason for that, we, we feature over like 150 shows, probably 150 podcasts in every issue. Yep. And probably 99.9% of those you probably haven't heard of. Wow. And so Steve's mission was to, you know, take you've got the, the all these top charts with the Joe Rogans and the Dave Ramseys and, and this and that, that, you know, they're in the top charts all the time. So they continue to get more popular because they're in the charts all the right. time. And so it's this ascending spiral that, you know, we wanted to give some focus to those that should be on the charts that you never hear about. And so that's what we've set out to accomplish. And and do a good job of it. You know, a lot of the any podcasters out there are just thankful that the magazine exists and that they get some exposure. And uh, we're never at a lack of people to to feature. Uh, we do have one one section that is the professional podcaster that focuses on the podcaster themselves and you know how to better monetize your show and different tips and tricks and things like that. Um, and then we also have the well, we have the Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear, which is more focused on, or has historically been focused on, you know, different headsets and, and sure. things like that that are attractive to the to the podcast fans. We may um, may look to expand a little bit more on that to to have maybe a, a little bit heavier section focus more on the podcasters in the near future, but that's under consideration. But mostly, it's the podcast fans. And it's interesting. Super interesting. I, I love that you're focusing on the fan base as well and then actually giving them the exposure to all the ones that they just don't know about yet because it is a huge need. So quick, quick side question on podcasting itself. And then I want to go back into the business with you a bit. It seems to be right now that everyone and their brother and sister are starting a podcast. How do we tell them not to? How do we tell so many of them like don't? Or do we just say, yes, go for it and do it and not worry about the fact that they may only ever run six episodes or you know, it may not be able to be monetized? Do you do anything around that at all? Or um, well, I mean, we have a program that we teach people how to how to launch and how yeah. to launch it properly. And and then that ties into, you know, we look at it as the business of podcasting or podcasting as a business. And and you know, if you want to you want to sustain yourself, then we teach what we call the, the new media trifecta, where you have, you establish a brand and online course and a podcast around, you know, what your core gift is and the message you have to share with the world. And that's how you monetize it. Mm. And it's, you know, podcasting is one branch on the tree of the overall business structure. And that's how you avoid pod fade when you have a purpose and and really want to drive it forward around a business that you want to build. I and like then there's the, always going to be the, you know, there's always going to be the uh, hobbyists or, you know, the one that just does it as a passion project because they have something to say. Yeah. I like that. Well, you're right. Cause there are two parts. One is the hobbyist. They're just doing it as a hobbyist. They don't need to have any reason to monetize it. And there's, there's so nothing wrong with that considering at the end of the day, we all die and none of this matters anyway, that, you know, <laughs> let's enjoy the ride. Right. So there's something beautiful about that for the hobbyist. 
And then on the business side, I love the fact that you talked about the trifecta where if they have the business idea and their core purpose, then if they have a course that they could be monetizing and the podcast becomes the lead gen, we've actually have Jeff Walker, who is the, the kind of the godfather of the product launch. He's going to be speaking mm-hmm. to our COO Alliance this afternoon. He's um, speaking to all of our members nice. from around the world. Um, and yeah, the course idea really does get monetized nicely off a podcast, doesn't it? That it, it doesn't have to be any other complicated part of your business. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it, it can be very simple. And, you know, and there's different ways that you can monetize on a podcast as far as you can, you can go out and, you know, make it your job every day to go try and find sponsors, or you can have your own commercials and your own pitches that yeah. you know, we did every one of our shows had our own, our own commercials running. We yeah. didn't have paid sponsors and advertisers. Um, you know, you can, if, if you're a coach and you have a, a specialty, you bring people on and, and have them be, have your guests be potential clients for you and take the, the guests to, to client route to, to monetizing. Um, you, you can actually bring somebody on kind of coach them a little bit, demonstrate what you're able to do and then bring them in as a coach or as a client or whoever the listeners are, are going to reach out all different kinds of ways. That was actually two of my most fun. Um, I was a guest on a people's podcast. I've been a guest on, on dozens and dozens and dozens, but I was a guest on uh, Andrew Warner's Mixergy podcast. And then on John Lee mm-hmm. Dumas's EO fire podcast a couple of years ago. And both of them turned into live coaching calls where I ended up coaching them on their business in the middle of a podcast where they're supposed to be interviewing me. It was amazing. It was super fun. (laughs) And it didn't start that way on purpose, but it was like, they asked me a question. I'm like, but wait, like, how about me ask you the same question? And they were like, whoa, shit, I didn't expect that to come. And it was, it was really fun. I love the interaction of podcasting. Now tell me something else about podcasting. And because I met your, your CEO, Steve on Clubhouse. What is Clubhouse going to do for podcasting? Um, and in my opinion, there it's not going to replace it. I think it can be used as a tool to enhance it. And you know, I'm like, we're actually he's actually doing live recordings of our show Reinvention Radio on there. And so you get it, it it enhances it in a way because you know you have the old call-in shows and stuff and He's always wanted to have that. He, he, his heart is in being a DJ and having a show and, and being interactive with people and, and just talking. So you can have much more of a two-way conversation mm. with other people that you can bring in when you're talking on Clubhouse to bring them, bring them to the stage. And, and recording all of that allows more people to actually interact with the guests. Yeah, I, I did one of the first, I was one of the get first guests to be interviewed on a live podcast on Clubhouse about, um, about a month ago. And it was intriguing where the, the host had each of the, each of the questions that was being asked, he had them do a quick disclosure and, a, um, you know, yes, I, I agree to have this kind of recorded, whatever it was, he made sure that he was really kind of covered by, I think, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's doing one, it's doing a couple of things. One is it's giving podcasters more exposure to get bigger audiences for their podcast. Secondly, it's a really interesting way if you do them live where you can then take Q&A from the audience that's live, almost like a live radio call-in. Right. Um, but third, I think, is it's actually showing a lot of people who never listened to podcasts before 
how interesting it can be to actually listen in on conversations and hear stuff live instead of just reading it all the time. So I think it's giving some more exposure to it. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't yeah, that's very true. I never heard it. I never really thought about that part, but that's exactly right. Yeah, I don't think it's going to, because um, I'm still listening to both and I'm probably devouring much more content by listening than ever before. I'm probably reading less. I think it may actually be hurting, you know, our reading of blogs and reading of, um, of books because we're just choosing to devour content in a different way, but it's, it's I'm, an inter- I'm sure that there are plenty of rooms that you can go and be read to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are as well. There's a room for everything. Kind of like yeah. there's a trade show for everything. Yeah. A it's interesting. Room. So let's go back to the business for a second. So you got involved in working with Steve. What was it that attracted you to work with him then in that, in that first year, six years ago? Um, it, it, I don't think that that really revealed itself until a couple of years later. But, you know, I mean, I, I knew when I spoke with him and I, I was actually reading one of my other clients' emails and um, she got a, a notice about a Facebook group that they were both involved in and he was looking for a virtual assistant. Or, and so I jumped on Messenger and, and started talking to him and I, he really just, only hired me in the beginning to kind of manage his inbox and get him, get him interviews. And uh, that, you know, the more I got involved, I'm like, Hey, we could be doing this and this and this. So I weave my way into do everything. And we've grown exponentially, especially over the last three years. And um, it was, it was, it was great working with them because it was like all these years of, of, everything that I had ever done and worked in. And I'm one of those that can apply mm. my knowledge from one place to another very sure. easily. And so to be able to do that and, and have the business sense around things. And I wasn't, I'm not just a taskless follower. I like to get in and get involved and, and be in control. And uh, so that all, all played out very nicely. <laughs> well, it's, and it's interesting. Your, your journey from EA or virtual assistant into the second in command role is not, um, is, is not a rare one. It's fairly common that I'm seeing now in some of these entrepreneurial firms that grow quickly is all, it's almost like you get sucked into that vortex and all of a sudden everyone looks around and goes, shit, you're actually running the company with me. Um, mm-hmm. And what's, what's beautiful though, is that you have all those, you know, the administrative organizational um, put systems in place stuff that every entrepreneur needs. And, and so you can kind of be the yin and yang to that entrepreneurial ADD manic craziness that they, that they need to be able to, to start stuff and get going. But then secondly, that you actually have that, um, I don't know, intuitive or innate ability to just say, Hey, is that crazy idea of yours actually going to help us? Which I think is very rare, more rare that it's more of a COO skill then definitely an EA skill. And most more EAs will just say, yes, I'll do what my boss tells me. Whereas you've kind of migrated past that to, you even just shook your head as I was saying it, like, you're like, yeah, no fucking way. <laughs> like, nope. um, yeah, you, you actually will slow that down, which is, is I always call that the emperor's new suit. Remember that fable from when we were growing up, like the, the king mm-hmm. that had the suit of magic fibers, but he was really naked. And, and the four-year-old said, but you're not wearing any clothes you have that skill. What gave you the confidence to, to, to say those things or to ask, Hey, is this really going to help us? Was it because you were overwhelmed and busy or was it just because you no, had higher it, trust? It, it just, I mean, I, I have the entrepreneurial spirit in myself and, mm. and having been in business and, and the people that I surrounded myself with and learned from 
along the way that, you know, in, in all my years of, of doing anything, every job I had, I just became a sponge and, and would grow to the top of what I could, could, and they wouldn't let me go anymore. So I went somewhere else. And, and, and that included the, the position that I had before I even started my company was, um, you know, they wouldn't let me advance because I left too many holes in the other side of things. And so I said, you know, that ain't going to hack it anymore. <laughs> I proposed a, a work at home situation. I had already started my business part time because I got to thinking, I'm like, oh, I, you know, if I'm doing this for these guys, I can do it from home for more than just them. Yeah. And, and said, you know, I'd like to work from home and in this capacity. And they said, nope, we can't have that because it'll set a precedence for everybody else. And so two weeks later, I gave my six weeks notice. And at the end of the year, I was out of there and signed them as a client on my day on my last day and worked with them for another year and a half. <laughs> nice. And, and so now they're it, all now everyone at that company is working from home and they're wondering what the heck they missed. Right. Yeah, well, I think it, it's since been reorganized a, a lot more times than it was when I was there. Yeah. And uh, it, so it's broken off into different things. But th the point there was just that, you know, I mean, I, I have just had that mind of, of, you know, there's more to do. You can streamline things and I don't have a problem telling people, um, you know, speaking up when I see things that they might want to consider in a different way um, to be more efficient or, or what, and it's just, I don't have, I, I make strong decisions and listen to my gut. I learned a lot of that from, from Mary Goulet over the last 12 years or so. And, um, and I'm just confident in that way. And I, I have ideas too. And that, that's one downfall with Steve and I, because sometimes, you know, I'll propose that we do something this way or, Hey, what if, what if we do this? And then it gets turned back on me, of course, because he's going to execute whatever that idea is. <laughs> me, So I step in it all the time. But, you know, and, and Steve is great to work with. I'm like the, the corporate world that that I came from. Um, and I guess this has given me a lot more more confidence, too, and in, in just working with the clients that I have over the years. And and then he just elevated it so far as, you know, being respected, being heard and and actually some actually having somebody value your ideas and and implementing them and and that's that's huge um you know there's a lot of egos in the way yeah when you get up at the c-suite level and he's not like that and he, you know he's open to the things that he doesn't know and yeah. and that's how we complement each other and play on each other's strengths strengths and weaknesses that makes it all work Tell me about, about all of these remote and fractional employees and freelancers, 30 or 40 that are working amongst the businesses in terms of writers and freelancers and designers. How do you keep them all aligned with the vision of what you're, you're driving towards? And how do you uh, keep track of what everybody's working on to know if, the, if stuff is being delivered and you're, you're hitting timelines? Um. Some days I don't feel like I have a really good handle on that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, and then on the magazine side, just a team effort. Um, you know, we've got our, our designer that has to keep, keep track of, you know, all the deadline dates and the editor. And, and it, it just all kind of seems to come together. We give deadline dates and they have the editorial calendar that they know, you know, you have to have this, but, you know, sometimes we're, we're chasing things down and people haven't signed releases and, and all of that. So 
it's uh, definitely a team effort. Are are there technology tools that you're using? Like, are you managing, what are you managing the projects and, um, and tasks and deadlines and stuff in? Um, couple Google spreadsheets as simple as it is. Um, you know, we don't have some, we do have, we do use, um, on our website, we have uh, captain form, which is kind of like a feature submission form that we've created that anybody that they go to interview, they can send them there and collect all of their information and the links and, and the, uh, photos and photo credits and, and the release and stuff that, um, that has really kind of streamlined things for us. And then um, you know, we have we have a monthly team meeting. We used to do we used to do it every couple of weeks, and for like the first year. And now uh, we get more into you know once a month we'll have like a content planning. So I can keep up on on who has what coming up in future issues. And um, are, the, are you using Asana or Basecamp or anything on project management? Are they just managing not for anything not for anything when, in that regard? Um, we use teamwork. Yeah. On the other side of, of the coin, um, we actually use that with our icon maker program too, as far as them, you know, keeping um, their planning notebooks and call notebooks and things like that, and, and the messaging within within the teamwork system. Um, I, I've looked at all all kinds of different other ones when it comes to a project management system, and always fall back to teamwork. It's just yeah. very intuitive and easy to work with, and. It's interesting. I, I was at a, a program years ago, about 15 years ago. Um, I've always just invested in myself as a leader. And I was at a, a program that Microsoft was running for CEOs. And uh, it was a, a two-day session on project management. And they were teaching CEOs how to manage complex project rollouts. And Microsoft had banned the use of Microsoft Project at Microsoft. And they had <laughs> all of they had all of their project leads and project managers managing their projects using Google, or sorry, using um, Microsoft Excel. And they actually launched the Xbox, the entire Xbox company using Excel as the project management tool. It was, they just, just like, why, why overcomplicate it? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the, I mean, we have, we have Google sheets and, and a lot of different things that we have mm-hmm. that are just, you know, I mean, they just become the Bible, like our, our new media summit is, is a, you know, 200 person live event with multiple people involved and everybody has a tab for what they have to do. It's kind of like, you know, the old time event days when I would go to, to a, you know, a golf tournament that I organized and I've got my binder in hand with all the dividers and, and uh, it's just all on a spreadsheet now. Well, on that, I was just about to ask you about the live events. So tell me about, uh, about the live events, this pod expo and are you, you are running it live? Um, I guess you're, you're running it next month. Uh, no, it's actually slated for August. And there's, um, I wish I could share a lot more details than I, than I currently have on it, um, with you, but it's still kind of coming together. And we've, we've been in this limbo of, you know, do we really try to do something live or are we going to, I think it's going to end up more of a hybrid event Yeah, and uh, we may have, you know, some speakers and things like that come in live and then, uh, and then just do the rest on Zoom. I think we'll probably be more open by by August, but but then in the same vein, like who the hell knows, right? Like it's just uh, so yeah. Yeah, and we were looking at LA, which is kind of you know slow to be coming on to, to open it up with anything. And yeah, you know you can't wait until August first to no. select a venue and do all the planning and tell people where it's at. So um, we either will will do it as a hybrid or or delay it. I don't anticipate us delaying it. I think we'll. Um, we'll find a way to make it happen in, in August. 
And you mentioned earlier that you, I don't remember how you phrased it, but you're always learning. You're, it sounds like you are a self-driven learner. How, how have you worked on your skills as a second in command over the years and how have you grown as a leader? Um, I would say probably the biggest teaching opportunities have been listening to the people in our world. And we have such, um, such incredible people that we attract, um, you know, Steve, especially, um, they're, they're just a lot of givers and, you know, we have, we span the, the gamut from, from woo to the woo woo. And there's all kinds of different things that I'm, I'm learning and, and, and just the experiences in learning more about myself and learning to work with a team again. I've kind of gone from this, you know, I worked in a team environment, went through total quality focus and team building exercises and this and that, that it was a whole initiative that our, that um, the, com- the company I worked for went through for, you know, would seem like forever, but it was probably only like two years. Right. And then I went to work in front of myself and all I had to answer to was my clients and, and figuring that out. And then now I'm back in this, you know, this team, team mode and I'm responsible for, for being the one to lead the team and and move the business forward. And so it's kind of, um, it, it's just why well, I'm a people observer and mm. learning from, from that. And, you know, the, all kinds of podcast episodes, the guests that we've had on beyond eight figures yeah, when that show was going just crazy, incredible, crazy, incredible. Yeah. And the, yeah, the you... journeys that they've been on and the, the, just, you know, the things that they did, you know, the guy that made billions of dollars selling, owner owner for machines like it just it just amazes me um you know what the ideas people come up with and and the ingenuity that they have to to do certain things and i'm not a norm follower i I don't you know i'm I'm not necessarily a conformist i don't care what everybody else is doing i'm going to do what i think is is right in in one direction or the other and so just learning in, in that way of, of observing. Um, I'm not a huge book reader. I listen and observe and I do read articles and things like that. I don't listen to the news um, to, to taint anything. Smart. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've been I've been very um, impressed, or not impressed, I guess, amazed with how much I've learned. Um, I This is kind of, I think we've got 150 podcasts are out the door right now. And it's been pretty amazing just to sit and talk to and listen from, from 150 amazing second in commands. I've learned so much and, and you're now included in that. So let's, let's ask one, my one kind of final question on, on if you were going back to your 21 or 22 year old self, you know, you're, you're just getting started in your business career. What advice would you give yourself back then that maybe now, you know, to be true, but you wish you'd known when you were 21 or 22. Oh, wow. Um, Um, probably to keep the, well, I didn't have a family at 21. (laughs) Um, um, just to stay true to yourself and, and to believe in, in what you can and, uh, you know, believe in yourself. I, that would be the biggest thing. I, I don't know that I've necessarily doubted myself along the way. Um, you know, certainly have fears and, and, uh, and things to overcome, but yeah. I would just say, you know what, just do it and, and you can do it. 
while you're doing it, you've got a lot of complexity in everything you're managing today and what, what you guys are, are running and the impact you're making, certainly in the podcast world and for, for so many businesses are doing it. So Kelly Pelker, the executive director for Podcast Magazine and the other two businesses that you're running with Steve, thank you very much for sharing with us on the Second Command Podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That was great. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.